honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Today I had on Erin Narlock from Reebok, and she is a senior archivist um, in the archive, obviously in the archive department of Reebok. It was really, really dope actually getting to sit down and, and chat with her over Skype. And we talked about a lot of stuff. So we talked about apparel, we talked about shoes, but then we talked about like what Reebok does as a culture to kind of set themselves apart from all the different noise that's out there uh, in the shoe and footwear and apparel industry. So I'm not gonna talk a lot right now, so I'm just gonna let you kind of shut, let this kind of slowly uh, go into our conversation, but it was really cool talking to Erin. It was really cool getting to hear her story. She's actually from Milwaukee, which I didn't even know before. Um, so it was really cool talking to a Milwaukee and about like what other cities are doing wrong, what they're doing right, and what Milwaukee's doing wrong or right. So here we go. It was really cool. When you reached out, I started doing some research and I didn't know that there was an archive department. I didn't know, like I, I started doing a ton of research obviously uh, within the last week, but like after you had reached out and said you were looking forward to Elizabeth's podcast, I was like, I'm gonna do some research on what the heck she does. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let, let me see what's going on here. Um, and the more I looked into it, the more intrigued I got. Um, because you can, from, from what I got from my research is, uh, if you're almost like a history nut, but you're also also a futurist, then you really are like just interested in what's going on now at the same time. Like that, if it, it feels like that's the perfect position for you. Um, and I, I'll intro, I'll intro us and everything like that later. But I just like what what really got you in what got you started into your position. Um, so I think curiosity was my, and continues to be my North Star. And it isn't one star, but rather a constellation of stars. So how the world comes to be has always fascinated me. So if that's a piece of art, or if that's an ad campaign, or that's um, a pair of sneakers, or fashion. I want to know why and how and by whom and where and when. And um, I was fortunate enough um, to be at the right place at the right time. Sometimes, and I have to say, I was also at the wrong place many times, right? <laughs> and and uh, just continued to show up every day until I found my way into the work that I do and that I have really the, the, um, the pleasure to do and the honor to do and the responsibility to. That's awesome. And I, I think the, the coolest thing about us talking today is like, you are a really dope individual after I did, I, I told you earlier before we even started recording, I did a ton of uh, research and it's really cool to see, um, I would, 
I think you, it was about three months ago. I was watching a whole bunch of videos of you at a fireside chat in Woven, if that makes sense. That sounds right. Okay. Um, and you you dropped a whole bunch of knowledge bombs, for lack of better terms. And I was like, I'm sitting here and I rewatched a couple of clips this morning to make sure I got um, specific segments right. And I'm just like mind blown because it's it's a really, really, really cool position that you're in. Um, and honestly, in some, I, I used to work in sports. I used to work for the Milwaukee Bucks. I used to work for the Milwaukee Brewers kind of all over the place. And um, the coolest thing that I thought I, I could have done is to work in like the GM, the GM office one, but two, like, okay, what can I do to help um, the future in the present type of thing? And maybe that's looking into the past. And I never knew what kind of role that was, but I was like, I, I'll find it one day. Um, and and in, until you reached out, I still hadn't found it. So it's, it's really cool just seeing um, how how what you do kind of impacts the future and the present. Um, and for people who don't are, for people that are listening right now and, and didn't do as much research as I did, um, can you explain as to what your role is and why that has such an impact on now and the future? Sure. So I'm a professional nerd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a creative nerd. No, so I head up Reebok's Global Brand Archive. Um, and many people have different conceptions of what a brand archive is. They might think of archive and purely think of documents. At a brand like Reebok that traces its heritage back to 1895, you know, we have this, the great pleasure um, to have an incredible collection of products. Um, that touch cultural moments, sporting moments, global moments um, of the last, you know, uh, over a hundred years and uh, design and technology innovations. But what we are really focused on, and I had up a great team of experts, I have to give total props to them, is getting at where memory can meet imagination to fuel the future and give um, our colleagues the confidence to move to the, into the future with um, you know, roots and wings, right? Enough um, knowledge and intelligence from what we've done in the past to lay the foundation or to stand on the shoulders of giants before them, to think of things differently, similarly, or um, to gather insights that they might not have thought of or um, create, you know, space or, you know, I can go on and ramble, but it's a variety of different things to different people at different times. So our, our discipline is collect, protect, preserve, interpret, right? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, but how we activate that is through story, um, through individual stories, through brand stories, through fan stories, right? The fans make the brands legendary, um, athletes, um, designers, um, you know, variety of individuals who have contributed to a collective memory of Reebok that lives on into the future. So we work on unpacking that and um, utilizing that in a variety of different ways for 
for Reebok because really the consumer is demanding it today. I love that. And you, you hit on something that's very, very important and holds near and dear to like my heart. It's, it's the aspect of story. And story, I, I feel like the more studying I do into different industries and everything like that, and it's not even because I am a huge sneaker aficionado, but it's more of like, if you look at the industry itself, the sneaker industry and the footwear industry has kind of paved the path of story. And the more I look into um, the different stories that are being told, whether it's a Nike collaboration with a small creator out of New York or an Adidas collaboration here or a Reebok collaboration uh, specifically in with women or anything like that, it's, it, the stories that are being told are just um, really mind-blowing. And uh, the more that we chat with, um, with brands so we we own an agency here in milwaukee and it's a storytelling agency and a lot of people are like oh that's a buzzword like you're just using that to kind of get more clients and it's like no we we honestly like while we focus on content we want to make sure that everything that we put out there has some type of story and really captivates the mind because until um until you actually tell that story in the correct way or you tell a story, um, you're not going to sell that product. You're not going to make sure that these fans that you mentioned before are constantly becoming uh, advocates and constantly buying and everything like that. And it's, it's, it's a really cool aspect of what we do. Um, but why do you think the sneaker industry kind of, why do you think the industry itself, and maybe you can position from Reebok sense, why do you think story is so important to the the future, but then the past and the present, like what, what's, what's kind of, why is it that way? So, so in the archive, we, we work in primary source materials, right? We, around objects, right? Footwear and apparel and memorabilia. We have documents. We do have annual reports. We have notes. We have, we have drawings. We have um, all of that. But there's something we say in the first person narrative, right? we say it lives in the legend and the lore and the aura of the object. And there's this kind of beautiful, um, captivating, uh, I would say probably long, long time embedded into who we are as humans that we, we really gravitate to the, the Velcro of a story. Like it's less about, um, you know, and a shoe's exact property, but what about the person, the individual who made the shoe, who wore the shoe, who was transformed by the watching of an athlete in the shoe or um, the transcendence of that shoe um, that creates an opportunity for all of us to enter into the story. And so that's the universal appeal of storytelling um, because we all want to be bigger and better than who we are as individuals. And that's the collective power that um, sport has and that brands like Reebok get to be a part of. And the, the collaboration you mentioned, it's, it's a man's world collaboration that features these incredible group of women um, this is a great example of storytelling 
um, at, at the core of a, a product campaign, right? With women leading the way and the multiplicity and intersectionality of what that looks like for Reebok. And it's built on heritage. Um, it's built on, and, and it's built on heritage of a campaign, it's a man's world that touches on a collective memory of women of the WNBA and of, um, of a great song that you know um, and some, some great partnerships from the past. So it has the ability to touch multiple generations at any given time, but it's relevant for today's consumer. So my lived experience is much different than yours, right? And you hearing and looking and reading and, and experiencing that story, you're going to extract something different than I would. But what, what is great about the best stories and what, what oftentimes can happen through footwear is um, they allow all of us to enter in someplace in that story and find meaning and relevancy to our own lives. Um, that, that to me is, that's the hook. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that's, why I've been that. that's why I've been working with objects um, and artwork and just the built world for so long. Honestly, like, um, first of all, you killed the answer. I mean, you had me the entire time. So um, I, I hope anybody that's listening right now um, definitely have this has the same reaction as me. But I think what's really cool about where you guys kind of – you guys – the organization kind of stays, takes a standpoint and they run with it. And a, a lot of organizations try to shy away from stuff that is kind of controversial or anything like that the, nowadays. And um, with the, specifically with the women's campaign and the women's empowerment campaign, um, the, the more I decided to read into why Reebok did it, the more I realized that it kind of aligned with why we sponsored Women's Entrepreneurship last last year, or Women's Entrepreneurship Week last year. And that's why we continue to, um, we do these little features for free um, all over town. And we want to highlight women because there, we know there's a whole bunch of dope women doing stuff in this city, but no one's highlighting them. It, 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 every time we come and log on to um, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel or any, any of these news sources, we see the same men. And um, they're great men, but it's, I, I would like to see somebody that looks like me or would looks like my niece and nephew or anything like that. And it's, it's something I, I applaud um, everything that you guys are doing from that sense and you continue to do. Um, but with I, Reebok's going through a, a ton of changes with um, obviously with the outside or inside influence of uh, Adidas and um, all these different things. But I, I just saw not too long ago that there's a new logo for 2020. And um, I, if anybody's listening, you should go check it out. It, if you're not a huge Reebok fan, you probably won't be able to see the difference until you put the, the old logo next to it. I don't know if you've had too much to do with it, um, but I, I, figure, I figured I'm gonna ask this question. Is, is the logo a new vision or is it influenced by the past? Is it influenced by almost just some, some things that Reebok has gone through in, in the future or in the past 10 years or the last 50 years? 
Um, so Reebok's uh, performance logo, the vector that you'll yeah. you now see on our building in Boston, that um, it's it's a part of Reebok's DNA. It is it is a new logo. It is updated. It is modern. It is beautiful. It is who we are. I mean, so this is this is a great a great um, a great way of saying that you a brand is true to itself when it knows who it is and when it when the consumer knows that brand and loves that brand. Um, that the identification of that brand is so integral to its um, identity. And it is such an exciting um, logo and also the way consumers see uh, Reebok. It sees Reebok as um, Reebok with Mater Tectura is our word mark and which is the font that we use and have used uh-huh. since the mid 1970s um and it sees the, the vector logo which is part of the construction of our shoes so unlike it is not unlike i should say other performance footwear brands that reflect some aspect of their footwear in their logo and it is fast and it is dynamic and it is modern and it is beautiful and it has meaning and it's it is ex- an exciting time at Reebok for sure to see that come to light and also to see that brand visibility um, unified you know between Reebok classics and our performance pursuits so that's awesome that's awesome I What's, what's nuts is, I don't think I even told you this uh, through our transgressions before, but um, we, the more, um, when you reached out, something kind of hit uh, my stomach a little bit. And when I was growing up, my parents, first of all, my dad has fat feet. And my dad said, okay, you can't wear Jordans, you can't wear this because you have the same feet as me. Um, as, as time went on, I, I developed my mom's feet, not my dad's feet. Um, but growing up, I, we didn't have too much money. We couldn't afford Jordans. We couldn't afford all these different things. And, um, we coincidentally lived not too far away from a Reebok outlet. So growing up, all I did was wear Reeboks, uh, Reeboks specifically. And, um, honestly, when, um, when basketball season came around, I only wore, um, AIs. So I wore only Iverson shoes and then any type of trainers or anything like that, I was, people used to mock me all the time um, because I always used to wear black Reebok classics. They were like the, the back to school shoe every year, the same thing every year because they were comfy, one. Like I was like, hey, they're comfy. Um, but two, those same people are wearing Reebok classics now and I one day I'm gonna call them out for making fun of me. But um, it, <laughs> it's, it's honestly like the brand itself, I think, the more that I've been getting into the industry and talking to people, um, whether it's collectors or people that are in the industry, I never realized how much of an influence um, that those those shoes really had on um, new shoes that come out, whether it is Reeboks or whether it is Nikes or Adidas or all these different other things. Um, it the brand has such an influence on on the future, um, really, and it's really cool. I. I seen amazing things 
that actually come from within the company um, and its employees. So you're smiling really hard right now, but like that smile, I feel like anybody that I've talked to within Reebok uh, has that same smile and they genuinely enjoy coming into work every single day. I think it's really cool that you guys are doing all these amazing things and having these outside influences. And at the end of the day, like you've been at Reebok for a while now. What what makes you wake up every morning and say, like have that smile and say I I ju I'm gonna go into work today and have a good day, even though sometimes it's hard. Oh yeah, so I'm always I've always been a glasses half full type of person. Um, I always think that it's the possibilities that um, that you make for yourself, um, and Reebok is a glasses half full kind of company and we believe in the possibilities for the future and we are surrounded by a group of individuals and teams that are the best like I'll tell you I have an incredible amount of respect and admiration and fondness and fun with my colleagues um, regardless of department discipline and um, also level right seniority and once they get to know me uh and and i all I, i'll have to admit while i'm from milwaukee originally as you know i haven't lived there in over 20 years um but i oftentimes lean into my midwesternness and once that and that disarms people in a way um but it is, it is the people and it is the jovialness and but the seriousness as well. We're here, you know, we're here to help Reebok grow any means necessary, um, not being safe, but doing, doing what's right, not what's safe um, and disrupting ourselves and thinking about um, the consumer first, right? So we, we get to do incredible things. You can be blinded by your day-to-day -day minutia. Anyone can, regardless of discipline. But when you have the opportunity to gain perspective um, and take a moment to think about what you're contributing um, to, to an organization, to, um, to, to, to the greater good, hopefully, and you can believe in something bigger than yourself, I think that that helps, right? When you start putting yourself at the center too much, I think that's when you feel sorry for yourself, you can get burnt out more and more. But when you think about how you can be useful to other people, and I'm, you know, I have a great role for that, my team does as well, we're here to help our colleagues, we're here to help our collaborators, our partners, our fans feel a deeper, more meaningful connection to the brand. Um, it's it's great to find reason um, in the work we do. And I also have the benefit of my passion, my internal passion and my external purpose kind of being in alignment and job crafting, being a part of it and you know, sometimes just begging for forgiveness before asking permission, knowing the rules in order to break them and Love that. And having that smile, right? I am, I, I'm a very friendly face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, right? And, and that's a good thing as well. And just being grateful, grateful for the opportunity, grateful, treating everyone pretty equally. Um, 
in early in my career, I worked at an in an art museum in northern Wisconsin, and I had a, an incredible mentor who I still talk with today, who regardless of your role would treat you the same way, would oftentimes introduce herself as just someone who worked at the museum, not the director of the institution. So that kind oh. of egalitarianism, right? That we're all kind of contributing to the same greater good. So I love that. Yeah, that's, that's a, honestly, that's amazing. And that's a culture that uh, we're trying to build here as well. Like we, we tell people, um, we tell our employees, we tell anybody that comes into the office, like if, even though there's four founders in the company, which is great, um, but I, I don't know why, but some people think I'm intimidating. I tell people, or I tell everybody in this office, if you are, um, if you think I'm wrong, you tell me I'm wrong. Or if you genuinely have an idea, I want to hear it because it. I've been in places where I've been micromanaged. I've been in places where I can't share my ideas, and the culture is a 180 from what we are building here. It's probably a 180 from what you you're experiencing at Reebok and the art museum in northern Wisconsin, and that's it's it honestly tears employees down when they don't have the the access to just share. Yeah, but that candor, you're talking about creating a psychological comfort that a lot of people aren't used to. So I feel very similarly. I, you know, if I want to hear how great I am, I can go to my mom for that, right? And even then, she's maybe my, she's a tough critic too, right? She'll also just like flat out give me opinions. Um, but if you want to grow and grow your capacity, just something I'm really interested in, that curiosity drives me, um, that drives me to grow, I need to know opinions. I want to hear from experts. I, w I don't, I don't want to be surrounded by a chorus, right? But I want to sometimes have a debate. I want, to, I want there to be conflict, as long as it's constructive. Um, and I want that anyone who works with me to feel equally empowered to bring a new point of view, right? A difference in opinions. Not the, even when we look to the past and we think about what has been, it isn't from one point of view. And I think that's, that's the, the problem or that's the snare we can get into. There's a collective point of view. There are different perspectives on what the, the, the greatest of all time player in the NBA has been, right? And it's more about the collective debate that's interesting than listening to one person, right? So let's, let's bring that to the table because that will make for a more informed future, a better team, greater stories, a more productive archive, a, a greater Reebok, right? That's what, that's what I want. That's amazing. I love that. I, I really, I really do love that. But like, I didn't even ask you to say, honestly, like, how did you get to the point you are today? Like walk me through, um, Aaron at 19 all the way to Aaron today. Like what, where, how, how long or how did that look? Oh, well, it, let me tell you that, that like a linear path I talked about, 
Yeah, so that was not my life um, <laughs> at all. I uh, my my freshman year, so I did my first year of university at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. Um, yep, I lived off uh, in Shorewood, off of Downer Street. I worked at the Chancery, which is now closed, and uh, yeah. also was a nanny. And then went to school, right? So I worked, I, I always had a hustle, more than one. Um, so as soon as I graduated high school, I was out on my own. Um, and after my first year at Milwaukee, I transferred to UW-Madison. And I was uh, majored in art, studio art, and had a concentration in art history and worked uh, as a waitress and also worked at my university's art museum. So then it was the LVM, now it's the Chazen Museum of Art. And that for me kind of opened up one, uh, an actual career in the arts beyond the application of illustration or industrial design or something like this, but more like the higher, I guess, the study of arts in the public sphere. I also like helping people. I like community activism, so on and so forth. And um, yeah, after I graduated, uh, there were no jobs to be had. And um, this was at a time where you lost your health insurance. So I started working at a credit card cop <laughs> activation center in a cubicle, working 10 hour shifts. And it was quite hellish, <laughs> like really difficult. I was a person that you got at the end of the phone when you did not properly activate your debit card or credit card, right? So it means you failed multiple times. <laughs> and I can, t I can tell you, I was really bad at this job. I got the worst reviews ever, but I had benefits and um, it kept me honest. Um, meaning I was looking for other opportunities. Um, yeah, so I worked as a, uh, worked at that role um, for three months, went on to be, become a curator of education at, a uni uh, at an art museum in northern Wisconsin, stayed there for close to six years, um, and worked with a variety of different groups on a variety of different kind of educational programming, um, and then moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where I worked at, a, at an art museum in the education department, became a founding museum director. And during this time, I got my master's degree, did a lot of volunteer work, a lot of board work. And um, after I was a founding museum director, lived, hopped, hopped with my, and got married and all of that kind of stuff and moved to Europe and lived in Germany and took 11 months like pause on my career, um, which I think some people do now. I think maybe more in your generation, people are more okay with putting a pause on where your career is going. And uh, it was a blessing, but also super difficult for me. I think I was 31 years old. And I didn't know, um, one, I wanted to stop 
take a time out. But then once the time out happened, I think I was like freaking out. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. I had all this like I had all this meaning in the world and now I'm a mom, just a mom. Um, and that was and I love my kids. I have two of them. And I uh, did the German integration course. So I had the great opportunity of taking 11 months of learning German with immigrants from all around the world coming to Germany to make a better life for themselves, which is the best education of my life. Um, and I started working for the German National Museum and doing some consulting work for them and then started thinking, hey, I think, I think Adidas, you know, they might have, they might have something maybe I could help them. So this is where, like, you know, a little chutzpah, a little like, I'm just going to send a message. And that message turned into a role that lasted two years at the world headquarters of Adidas in Herzogenaurach, Germany. Um, and then an opportunity to interview for a role in the developing Reebok archive um, that I was fortunate to receive and that relocated my family to the Northeast. And I've been in Boston close to four years. <laughs> Does that? Wow. So, yeah, and in the meantime, I mean, since, since my time at Reebok, we've grown the archive exponentially and really have transformed it into this global resource, supported numerous in-market activations. I mean, everything from traveling to China with Alan Iverson to um, supporting a global launch in London to presenting to, you know, high fashion collaborators to um, working with onboarding interns and co-ops. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> that was a long-winded answer, and I'm kind of now like... You said it wasn't linear, though. That's, that's amazing. And I should say, not all of the, the jobs I took were, you know, a job step up. Like, when I moved to, to Memphis, I think I... My... The job I took in and the education department paid just enough to put my my son in childcare. It was like a wash, right? Yeah. But I I knew it would take me to where I needed to be next. Um, or when I first started at Adidas, I had a part time job, and I knew that. I would grow my capacity for the understanding of business and sports marketing and the influence of the other football in the rest of the world. Um, and, and that grew itself as well. I mean, when I was at Adidas, I had the opportunity to interview, and that's a loosely, a loosely used word, um, ask Pharrell one question on stage <laughs> and I was hypnotized <laughs> and like you know or yeah so it's never for me I seriously was it was that I guess it was that Pharrell moment and the other person that I can lose my cool around that's to assume I am cool at all is Mr. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal I definitely lose my cool around him 
I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I have this great picture of me, like, within 10 feet of him in New Orleans at an all-star weekend. And I'm just, like, goofily, like, giggling. Like, I couldn't even, like, control my, like, I just joy, my joy. Because for, for me, he, he really was part of my, my childhood, my nostalgia, yeah. my memory. So we all have those people. Um, yeah, but it is, it is a great joy to do the work of, um, of a, you know, brand archivist. Yeah. Of, of someone who can kind of shine shine the light to the future, you know, through the lens of a, the past, or um, just spark the curiosity in my colleagues, and yeah, that's amazing. Speaking of the future, what's what's in the future for you? For me, <laughs> things I'm looking forward to. Uh, for me, so this year there's a there's a book coming out, and I wrote a theme essay and or yeah, a theme essay in the book on um, uh, branding branding the sporting experience. So Ooh. how how does branding and sporting kind of come together when you have in like influence, right? Um, and this is for the American Association of State and Local History. So those history people and museum people out there, but also it was, um, so this chapter in the book will feature um, the Green Bay Packers and um, other, other franchises and other, um, other sports, like Halls of Fame and those kind of places. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm always looking to how I can grow, where I can apply what I've learned. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm I'm always pushing the boundaries of what is what is archive. No, <laughs> seriously, but transforming kind of the role of knowledge within the organization. I think that's that's really interesting for for me as a professional. Um, yeah, I don't know, finding finding where my curiosity leads me and kind of what what I can do to spark that in other people and um, I don't know helping younger people find their way and confidence in the in what they've are always had right I always I think of the the scene in the Wizard of Oz right where the good witch right yeah says you've always had it, right? You've always had the power um, to Dorothy. But sometimes it takes somebody to tell you, to see the potential in you that you've not yet identified in yourself. And that is something I really love to do for Ooh, young, younger professionals that help them see their own power and provide them with more and more opportunity to step into that power. So sometimes I say with the archive, the most um, powerful thing I can do is create the space, right? To activate the space with different thought leaders and different voices, that it's not just me, that we're interpreted as a brand through the lived experiences of other people. That I'm, while I'm a historian, kind of, I always kind of get me like a, um, 
I, I want to hear what other people think, and I want I want that to be impressed upon my colleagues that um, it's not finite, it's infinite, right? It's infinite, the way we see ourselves, depending upon who you are, where you grew up, when you grew up, and what mattered to you will we'll create future meaning for you as, as it relates to Reebok, so. That's amazing. And honestly, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that because you just closed this out perfectly. Um, so I thank you for jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast. Um, and I hope, I'll keep you for like two seconds after, but I hope to have you on again soon. All right, yeah, I would love to.